Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Good Hope Productions. Yo, Coach Bob, put me in a game. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unexposed, the semi-scripted podcast where we use sports and entertainment to expose the issue of inequality and give a voice to an often ignored and underserved demographic. Now, it's not all serious talk. There's a lot of fun here. We have conversations, jokes, laughs, and we reminisce about current and old sports and entertainment stories because, hey, we're all one big community here. Now, this is what we do. We use a topic from a scripted scene read by professional actors, followed by commentary with guests who have a special understanding of that particular topic. Hosted by yours truly, former NFL player turned actor, writer, producer, Jarrell Pippins, based out of L.A., but from Philly, and co-hosted by the one and only Carl, Coach Bud Patrick, who's a music producer, an inner-city youth ambassador, and an assistant football coach at West Philadelphia High School. This is Unexposed. It's unexposed. It's unexposed. Interior apartment, night. Terrence Fletcher, 32, dealing with his mother with stage 4 cancer, is a music producer who moonlights as a volunteer high school football coach but aspires to eventually be a full-time visual artist, similar to Basquiat or Warhol. He walks in and drops his bag on the couch. Then he heads into the kitchen and opens the fridge. Damn, no food again. The bedroom door opens in the hallway. Michelle, 32, walks towards the kitchen wearing a t-shirt barely covering her waist with no bottoms on. Where have you been? I thought I went grocery shopping yesterday. We're not doing this tonight, Terrence. Yo, I've been working my ass off all day. I'm coaching these high school players, making beats, doing my artwork, and caretaking for my sick mother. Look, the least I can get is a cooked meal when I get home. Why don't you show me you deserve a cooked meal when you get home? Bring some money into this house. What did you say, Michelle? Michelle ignores him and walks back to the bedroom. Interior bedroom, night. Terrence walks by Michelle and takes off his shirt and sits down on the bed. She catches the smell of his breath. The gum can't hide it, Terrence. You've been out drinking again? I thought you said you were going to stop. Terrence, knowing where his temper can lead, continues to ignore her and takes off his sneakers. Following right behind your father. Terrence continues to ignore her. Michelle digs deeper. You know, if you stop spending money on alcohol, those kids at the high school and all them damn art supplies, maybe we could save and move into a house. How many times have we had this conversation? I'm building something long term. It takes time, Michelle. The building needs to be faster. With all that I'm balancing, it's like you can't wait to bite my head off every single night. Am I supposed to just keep my fingers crossed and hope you make it, T? It's called compromise. See, you're looking at getting a house locally. I'm looking at bigger and better, not just settling. Dang, Michelle. I keep hearing you say this all the time, but when? When is this all going to happen, huh? Michelle throws a pillow at Terrence. He catches it and throws it back. She ducks it and falls onto the bed. Terrence eyes her thighs and smiles. Mm. Michelle knows that look. Terrence gets in the bed with her and tries to kiss her. Nope, Mm. nope, that's not happening tonight. Mm. Stop. Know what you mean? Come on. Mm. Terrence gives up and goes over on his back. Ooh, you know what it means, T. We need to talk and communicate, not just bone every time we have an argument. That's why we can't never fix Terrence. 
Terrence Michael Fletcher. I know you just did not fall asleep on me. Terrence! Interior bedroom. Next morning. Michelle is in the bed scrolling through Instagram. Michelle, can you put the phone down? We just woke up. I'm just looking at this house and my cousin and her husband just closed on it. And my co-worker flipped the house too. It looks yeah, like yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always in your phone. Around public, people notice that. Where you go always thinking about how it makes you look? You're not the only person people looking at. There you go. Can you look at things from my perspective for a change? See, if you had a father figure while growing up, you would understand my views and not only yours. Now that's the problem. That's wow. the Wow, no. No, T. It's always about you and that's the problem don't bring my father in this how about your father he wasn't always in your life neither so that that is, seriously you're gonna start the day off like that bringing my yeah, father yeah i am mr i'm mr alpha man mr i wish you can cater to me like a man got the nerve to bring my father in this. You don't know my, michelle, michelle chill out i don't feel like hearing that first thing in the morning come on look see i went back and i earned my masters and i worked my ass off i worked on my career I'm doing my part. Terrence gets up and starts to put his clothes back on. Wait, where are you going? Nowhere. The bar isn't open this early, is it? See, there you go with that mouth again. It's there always... you go. Yo, 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 can I start the day without hearing your mouth for the 10th time? Whatever, Terrence. Whatever. Terrence walks out of the room. See, always running from the conversation. Never want to deal with it. That's why we never resolve anything. Boom. The front door slams. Michelle sits down on the bed, lonely and frustrated. Fade out. Fade out. Fade out. Fade out. Hello, everyone. Uh, that was just a episode called Toxic Relationships, episode one. And on the stage direction was Pedro Luis. He's an actor, producer, and writer. And playing Michelle was Natasha Mark. You can see Natasha on Good Lord Bird, which is on Showtime. She's also in an up-and-coming movie called Dutch. And you saw her or can see her in a Dr. Pepper commercial playing a cheerleader during college football. Uh, the role of Terrence was played by myself, shameless plug, Jarrell Pippins. And um, in that scene, uh, it was self-explanatory, toxic relationships, a couple who has not done therapy, a couple who did not have their fathers in their lives, respectively, and a couple who does not know anything about conflict resolution. I mean, we can go on and on. So you brought that up in the scene. And um, with Terrence's character, he's not established yet in his career. He's reinventing himself. But Michelle is ready. She has her master. She did it traditionally. And before you guys caught on, we talked about traditional ways of making that money and untraditional ways, but how the timing of it affects relationships. And also the fact that they were from the inner city, didn't have the best references. And you guys see how that situation ended up. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, first of our, um, our co-host, Coach Bub, a.k.a., well, I'm going to say Carl Patrick, a.k.a. Coach Bub. He is a music producer, uh, philanthropist, but also a football coach at, respectively, West Philadelphia High School in my hometown, West Philly. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jarrell Pippins, former NFL player. I'm an actor-producer. Um, helped put this thing together. Who put this thing together? Me. That's who. Not me, huh? <laughs> no, but this is a spinoff of myself and Coach Bub's um, 
reality series or documentary on Amazon Prime, guys. So without further ado, we have my brother from another mother, my former Charger teammate, Rob Butler, straight out of Pittsburgh. Um, defensive back extraordinaire. Yes, give it up. Um, one yes, of the sir. best athletes I've played with. Don't cry, Butler. Don't cry. I see the tear. Um, well-rounded brother. Um, people don't know, uh, against the Falcons, our rookie year, Butler was on offensive practice squad as well as defensive practice squad playing Michael Vick. They chased him around wow. and got us ready for, for Mike Vick that week, man. And I'm, I'm telling you, he, he tore some knees up, almost tore some ACLs on the other side. <laughs> And I said, that's my dog. <laughs> that's my dog. That, that's how we do it, undrafted free agents. And, and Butler has seen me fighting in practice um, with some veterans. I didn't care who was out there. Anybody can get it. Butler saw it. Um, smashing into the Gatorade <laughs> tanks. <laughs> throwing blows, trying to make the squad. <laughs> yeah, Bub, it was straight out of West Philly that, that day in camp. Right. Have his lovely wife, Courtney. Um, what? Uh, one of my muses in the game. She is a warrior, a uh, supporter, ride or die. Um, me and Butler went through it our rookie year trying to make it. We went through it trying to make it after football. And she was right there every step of the way. She does a great job with their kids. How many kids do you guys have? Right. Four. Four. Woo. Four. I think when we met, you had one and there was four. And then it was um, maybe we got a fifth one away. So I'm, playing, I'm playing Courtney. I'm playing Courtney. I'm playing. They ain't love, y'all. But you know that I don't do um, And we have my sister from another mister, Deidre. Deidre is a single parent mom. Her son was a star running back at Modern Day High School. If y'all don't know, y'all better know about Modern Day. They play the likes of Servite, um, St. John Bosco. Um, when Modern Day plays, people come and watch. So her son was a star running back there. Her daughter was a cheerleader. And uh, she's now at Howard University. So she has two kids, well accomplished, did her on her own. She is a strong black woman from Orange County or in Orange County from Fresno. And uh, Deidre, would you tell us what you also do for a living now? Uh, I'm a brand consultant, so I started off in fashion and then um, went over into media, and now I consult with emerging brands and women of color and entrepreneurs to everything from ideation to getting their uh, brand target. There we go. And Rob, would you also tell us your current occupation now with Life After Football? So I'm a regional sales director full-time, and I'm a aspiring podcaster myself. So I'll be reaching out to both of you. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Collaboration. <laughs> We're trying to create our own ecosystems. And okay. Courtney, can you tell us what is your occupation is or former occupation or future occupation? I'm in medical sales. So I sell sleep diagnostic equipment to medical practices. And then also I'm a certified life coach. So I do some programs myself as well. Yeah, and um, Robert doubles as my life coach, but um, he knows I have a running tab. You, you, you'll get the invoice. Just send me the invoice, y'all. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, Rob and Courtney, you both are from Pittsburgh, correct? Yeah. Correct. Correct. Okay. So Fresno, Pittsburgh, and Coach Bub and myself are from West Philly. Now, I'm going to dive into it, and Bub, feel free to interject. Um, first of all, with being from, I guess you could say, inner city Pittsburgh or humble beginnings in Pittsburgh, for Rob and Courtney, what were your references growing up as uh, two people from the inner city who made it work? What were your references? Yeah, I'll let the lady go first. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. So my parents were married. <laughs> so my parents were married. So I grew up in a two-parent household for a majority of my life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my parents decided to divorce when I was probably 13, 14. So my initial example was a pretty healthy situation, never really seen anything more than a traditional argument, nothing super aggressive or that would be, you know, alarming in a household. I'm an only child. So I kind of grew up, you know, having the attention of both of my parents constantly taking a family vacation annually. Mm. I would say that I had the typical desired, you know, uh, childhood until I was about 14 and they decided to separate. And then at that point, I had the typical experience uh, for a lot of a single mom. My mom was very strong and that picking up a second job uh, worked like crazy to make sure that she could still maintain the same level of living that we had had when my dad was there. My dad became estranged for a little while, and then he and I reconciled our relationship and continued to have a a pretty positive relationship moving forward once we got back on the right footing. So my example of parenting, I would say, was pretty strong in the foundational years. And even now in my current marriage, I look at that a lot of times as the example that set the tone for the wife and the mother that I am because I did have Mm. that strong foundation. Examples. How about you, Rob? What was your upbringing? Your your examples. Man, let me see. So my my parents had me at eighteen. As a matter of fact, mm. my mom forewent her senior prom because she was six months pregnant with yours truly. Wow. Uh, so I returned that favor by taking her to my senior prom uh, uh, when I went to the prom. So there was there was there was two uh, two reasons behind it. Obviously, she she couldn't go because of me. So I I felt compelled. But number two, I was a wild boy back then. There was a lot of girls. Yeah. I was off the hook by taking my mom to the prom instead of taking a particular girl. Right. So that was before Courtney. This is, right. this is BC. This is BC. Let's be clear. This is BC. Right. Um, so my, my father left when I was two, um, mm. but he was always present. By present, I mean he would come get us every weekend, every other weekend. We grew up in the projects um, mm. in the inner city of Pittsburgh, but take my dad coming to take me up out of those projects. In addition to that, I was I was a, a scholar's student, so I would go I would get pulled out of school every week. So between my dad taking me out of the hood and scholars, academics taking me out of the hood, it gave me exposure to what was possible, like a whole new realm of possibility. And then from a marriage perspective, because I didn't have that as a model, all of my uncles, so my my grand my paternal grandmother's brothers were all married. Wow. So. I had that in my mind growing up. Like I just knew I was going to be a, a husband and I knew I was going to be a custodial father. Okay. So Deidre, my sister from another mister, uh, Deidre, what were your examples growing up, your references growing up? So my parents um, met um, in Fresno and um, were the first to leave Fresno and come to Orange County. Um, bought two homes in Orange County back in the 70s, which is, you know, as a young black couple, which was a great accomplishment. Um, my father was killed in a car accident when I was three years old. Mm. So my mom was actually a widow. Um, but we still grew up in Orange County. So I didn't have the traditional reference of a mother and a father. I had the reference of a mother growing up in a suburb, two cars, three-story house, and you think it's all easy but you know so um i more got a view of a single parent household that did not feel like a single parent household right uh because uh there's there's superwoman and you don't realize that until you have to step into those foot mm-hmm. step into those shoes and accomplish the same thing so 
we may not have had the financial struggles just because of what they obtained before I was married. Um, but what you did see is I was the youngest. I had two older brothers and, you know, they were young black males. And whereas one of my brothers um, really had a hard time with my father's death. So I definitely mm-hmm. saw my mom challenged with trying to raise a young black son. The finances are one thing. Having them grow up in a, you know, great neighborhood, per se, is, and the best schools. Um, but you are still missing that element. It takes, you know, two people to have women, and they're definitely needed to raise. So my mother never remarried. Um, so most of my references were friends um, that didn't necessarily look like me, but all their parents were married. And so I, I probably took most of my references that way. Understood. And see, guys, we're doing this unexposed because we're talking about hidden issues that aren't talked about for people that come from these humble beginnings. You marvel at LeBron James. You you criticize and are marvel at um, Kaepernick, but not knowing that these guys, these men and these women who are protesting or standing for things come from these type of environments. So people say, oh, you're rich. Shut up. Stop kneeling. Oh, you're rich. Be quiet. Sit down. You're getting a, an example of, um, well, two professional athletes. I come from a single parent home as well. And people who are involved in the sports and entertainment culture to a degree who are coming from these backgrounds who have done very well in life, but we still feel the need to speak up because most people that are thrown in what we're thrown into, I don't think would make it. So um, coach Bub, would you have any questions to really start us off? Um, I had some questions like for towards the end. That uh, okay. was a relationship, how to keep you know relationship together. But it's, I have a question for: um, Was your father an athlete? Where did you Where did you get the football? Uh, what What made you want to play football, Rob? Yeah, so that's that's a good question, Buzz. My my dad was athletic. I'll say he was athletic. He um he ran track. He went out for the football team, but then he got my mom pregnant, so he had to get a job. Wow. Uh, but he was very fast, very strong. Even to this day, my dad got a six pack. He's fifty-seven. Wow, He's fifty-eight. Yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him, Coach Bub. Was your mom an athlete or cheerleader? Say that again. Athlete or cheerleader? My mom was a. She ran track, so my mom was fast. My my mom was faster than me until I was about. 15. I mean, she had wheels. We were just talking about that. Fast feet. Listen, you put fast feet with the six pack and the desire. Right. You know what I'm saying? Genetic. It makes sense. Genetics. It's fast. I was wondering. You're right. I was thinking, I wonder if his parents are athletes. Because me, myself, my mom was an athlete. My dad was the musician. So I got got split Mm -hmm. down the middle. Absolutely. It's like both was my passion. Um, and as far as your wife goes, does she play any sports? Did you play any sports? Uh, any type of cheerleading? <laughs> I'm afraid to talk about my athletic abilities. So I often moms in the house because of mentioning them. But so I, I ran cross country and I played basketball in middle school. But I'm told by members of my household that that doesn't count. So I guess you can you can put middle me on the athlete. I, I, I was told that middle school didn't count, but I thought I was pretty athletic. So now that I've been on a very serious workout regimen for the last year, and I, I you know I'm jumping, I'm box jumping and all kind of fun stuff. And so I come home and I show them every new muscle that I've developed. 
Right. And exactly. I show them all my athletic prowess. And so now my my um 15-year-old says, Hey, mom, I got a, got some of my genes from you. I didn't even know. Amen. So, so I think I'm getting a little bit of credit now. Just a Reference. little bit. That's cool. References. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say to Deidre, urban legend, Deidre is very um bougie. Deidre, you probably wouldn't guess it. She is a, a glamour woman about town, but she said she played high school. Was, was it softball, Deidre? I did. Tell, what position, Deidre? Because we need to see some pictures. Yeah, I want to know. You know, this is not seats for years now. But I was, uh, I made it to All-Star almost every year. I paid picture, I paid for you know, first base, shortstop. I actually loved softball until I got into high school. Um, how my son started playing was he came into it pretty much an athletic family, but we, I was in Target um, in Irvine. And I, I was walking out with my bush because I saw some football players walk in. And I was like, I wondered where they play at. And I turned around and couldn't find him in the store. And I went up every single aisle. He was five years old then. And stopped them and said, who do you guys play for? And they told me. And I was like, is he too young to play? And they said, no, I think Flag's five or six. Yep. So that's how my son started playing. Because sports is the gateway, right? You, you're learning wins and losses. You are um, patient, consistency. All the things that you're trying to, this human, you know, that, that you are raising, you're trying to teach them all these different life skills mm-hmm. and um, keep them occupied. Um, let them know academics, all those things matter. So I knew um, I wanted my son to play sports and he was extremely athletic. He came from an athletic family. So, um, you know, I tracked him down and he started playing when he was five. Right. So we got the references. We got uh-huh. our different stories, our moms, our dads, some divorced, regrettably some passed away, et cetera, et cetera. I'll start off with, well, I'll start off with you, Deidre. Talk to us, how do generational cycles, both positive and negative, affect you as an adult when you're in relationships, whether it be from the man or the woman or both? Um, wow. It's so multi-layered. When we mm-hmm. think about it, because at, at the point where you're middle age, you are now um, engaging with someone who has 40 years of references, history, um, family uh, experiences, just in general. And I think what happens, and a lot of times in communities of color, if um, and let's just be honest, we're speaking to the time. So everything mm-hmm. is good, better, best if you're not married, right? right? So you can meet somebody and she's good, but you want somebody better. Mm-hmm. Or you now get the better and now you want the best. And it becomes a repeated cycle of that, mm-hmm. right? So when you're engaging, by the time people are mostly mid-age, as I am, um, there's a lot to undo. Or there's a lot to understand, right? You have to meet people where they are. Uh, but often, not everybody is at the same place, you know, just holistically, okay. mentally, uh, open to therapy, right. uh, open to counseling, um, all of those things. Because again, uh, for a lot of us, when we were growing up, the people who went to therapy, something was wrong. Correct. Uh, versus 
hey, you came from this background, mine is a little bit different. We want to move forward. How do we do that? And how do we have someone talk us through these things? You know, mm-hmm. um, so it does become very challenging. And I think the challenge has been compounded by this good, better, best. Mm-hmm. I don't play in the DMs, but people do. So, you know, wow. uh, you could have went out on a date with somebody and went home and you felt great about it or vice versa. Um, a guy could have took you out and had a great evening. And next thing you know, she checks her Instagram and it's, hey, do you want to go out? Or, you know, what have you. So mm. you're not even giving enough time to get to know people. And the moment there's something that you feel like is off or wrong, you're off to the races. Oh, so speaking of which, I'm going to go back to Rob and Courtney. Rob has always been one of my, I'm going to say heroes. Don't cry, Rob. Um, because rookie year, I was a wild guy, you know, and Rob had calmed down and I was turning up and Rob was always that angel on my shoulder. Like Pip, don't do it, Pip. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you kind of hear you. And I noticed that at a young age, we were young, Rob. I mean, we were fresh out of college. Um, undrafted free agents who made it to the San Diego Chargers, y'all. I came out of Nebraska. Robert, you came out of Robert Morris by way of University of Pittsburgh. I noticed how level-headed Rob was and how mature Rob was. And I needed that um, for training camp because, like I said, I was... Rob knows. I don't want (laughs) to keep everything PG. (laughs) Rob, how in the world, coming from the projects, and I don't mean a stereotype, Pittsburgh, humble beginnings, star athlete. As far as your references, or maybe lack of, because I'm more at LeBron and how genius he is. He's from the projects as well, which I'm not saying that dictates things, Jay-Z, et cetera. But Rob, what went into your, I guess, references or lack of references for you being so calm during our rookie year when most of us were running around like crazy? Because you were a committed man, brother, or are a committed man. Yeah, man. I will have to go back. This is a great question, Pip. I have to go back to the to the beginning where I think leadership began to be uh, the seed of leadership got planted. So mm-hmm. inside of my dad leaving and my mom being a single mom with two boys, I'm the oldest. Uh, we, my dad, my dad has three boys. I'm the oldest. He and my mom have two together, right? So my mom put a key around my neck on a shoestring, and she mm-hmm. said, "Here's the key. I'm going to be at work, but you got to get your brother on the bus. Make sure he gets off the bus." You and him get home. I need you to protect him. I need you to feed him. I need you to make sure he does his homework. And if you do your homework, then you go to football practice, which was a three-mile, four-mile walk from the hood. So I had the weight of responsibility at at five, six, seven years old. I didn't know this then, but it was shaping manhood. It was shaping headship. It was shaping leadership skills that would show up. So by the time I was... 18, 19, I met Courtney. Um, Courtney had a daughter, mm-hmm. a, a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. We became a family when I chose her. Mm-hmm. So I became a dad at 19. And then her and I had Amani at 20. Um, and then we got married at 21. In 20 and 21. So I say all that to say at 18, I probably felt like I was 28. Right? right. And you talk about this, you was turning up. Well, I lost my virginity at 12. And so I wowed out from 12 to 18, like wowed out. So I was doing the stuff that adult males were doing when they, when they got on in middle school and high school. So it it was kind of old to me. It it, 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 it gave me more value and, and um, made me feel most alive was building the family. 
Okay. And and, and kingdom building with this queen right here. Because most most athletes, especially black athletes from the inner city, I mean, people love to talk about, oh, um, even in the rap game, he, he has this many baby mamas. It seems like they think that's the norm to our listeners. But I, I like to kind of um, tell people, no, that's not. I mean, I'm from a single parent home. I wild out by the grace of God. I don't have kids. So I wanted to really touch on that. And moving forward with that, um, as far as football, Butler, how did you balance, I guess you can say that, uh, that peer pressure from being a pro athlete and still keeping it, everything together at home, even with coming from the inner city? Yeah, I was, um, man, I was really spiritual. No, I mean, I, I would say I was deeply religious. If you recall, we were, we yeah, were, I remember. we were in our Bibles like daily. Yeah, um, read your Bible. And, and, All and right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and so, I, if you recall, bro, like I, I, we went out a couple times, but right. there's a scripture that says a, a, a wise and prudent man flees from trouble. Mm. So I held that scripture near and dear to my heart in that season because Courtney, remember Courtney and the kids was back in Pittsburgh, we were yeah. in San Diego. So it was just like me, you, Cox, right, Hackett, and then right. like me and you when this and, and Cox when the season went on. And I would just hide, bro. I, I wouldn't go out. Like, I remember that. Yeah. Courtney, he would hide behind a tree, a bush. Like, <laughs> I, while I was in the center. Uh, I, and Deidre knows me, but I was in the middle of everything, Courtney. And he, I mean, he would not, but he was always that whisperer. Hey, man, watch out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would listen to him like 50% of the time. But I noticed how grounded he was even coming from the inner city. Now, Coach Bub, um, you're a defensive coordinator at West Philly High. What do you see in these kids now as far as can you tell like, OK, I think this kid is going to mature faster than most kids are. You know what? Oh, this kid might be a little shaky when he gets out of the high school program. What do you see right now with these kids? Because you want them to be the next Rob Butler and you want them to be the next Tier Tart or maybe Jarrell Pippins. What do you see as far as a maturity level, level when it comes to their references? I actually uh, do see a few Rob and Courtney's. Um, not a lot, though. Gotcha. A lot less than what we would hope to have. Mm. What I'm seeing is a lot of the part that Rob had with the with the maturity part and the responsibility being pushed on early. I'm seeing a lot of young men getting girls pregnant at a very mm. young age. Mm. I'm seeing a lot of mothers. And see, I'm the crazy coach that's going to say stuff. I might not say it the right way, but you're going to get the message. Um because I've literally had to deal with parents like, yo, so you mean to tell me this parent is going to keep laying down, making babies and down this kid got to watch him and he can't even get to practice because he got three smaller siblings to watch. Mm. This is what I'm seeing more mm. of the part that's missing is the part that you said, the implanting of the leadership part, the leadership mm. part, yeah. because we all know that if you're going to be in a successful relationship, yeah. uh, what I'm not seeing enough of from young black, men in the inner city is being able to be in a relationship and lead and make a, de a decision with confidence. I don't see the confidence there. I see very shy, uh, uh, withdrawn, uh, don't know how to make a decision, put their mm -hmm. foot down. And our women need strong men that can lead and handle business and be able to make a decision and also be able to listen to her, listen to her needs, be honest with her, I don't really see this. I see a lot of deceivery and, and things of that nature. And I mean, it's multiple things to it. Mm. But I'm just listening to you guys' story and I'm like, 
okay, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Even though their situations weren't perfect, they had certain major cornerstones set as to why they value marriage, why why he values uh, being a leader. Some men don't even want to be in a leadership position nowadays, these young men. They don't even want it. They relinquish it to the woman. Oh, you got it? You good? And I'm like, no. No, so that's what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing, um, you know, even though my father wasn't there, he's around. You know, even though, you know, I had a single parent home, like with Deidre, it didn't feel like it was a single parent home. Same here. Same here for me. You know what I'm saying? Because, Pip, you and me, I, I come from basically a, a single, you know, mother. Yeah. I, my, I may have, have memory-wise two or three years of memory involving my father while he was married to my mom. They were married for like 13 years. Mm. I was born into being a Jehovah's Witness. So my life was very different from the beginning. So <clears throat> I'm trying to find a young man to, to kind of sort of instill in them like with you, religion, you would be surprised at how many people that just don't have God in their life. That's missing. Mm. Whether you're Muslim, whether you go to the Kingdom Hall, whether you go to the Masjid, I know a ton of Muslims that might as well be eating pork every other day, you know, because they're doing every other thing under the sun. And although I'm not judging them, but these are the components that I see in you guys, successful, that's missing. That's right. the major thing that I see that's missing. Well, God, Deidre, leadership. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, leadership, and the ability that you at least had one parent that made you feel that home uh, essence or that the family structure. Mm. Those are the main yeah. components that I see that's missing. And you got to give a shout out. I know it's the bigger name, but to the LeBrons of the world and um, some of these guys doing it, like I said, this is why we are still protesting. This is why we're still speaking up because we come from these backgrounds. But that subject, Deidre, how did you do it as a single parent with, as Bub said, the maybe I'm not saying the total lack of help, but the lack in an untraditional sense. How did you raise a running back at modern day and a, and a current yeah, right. Howard soon to be alum? How did you do it with, with lack of that? Um, village. Mm. So my mother, um, was still, uh, and for many of our backgrounds, we can look to three generations of black women who are still raising, helping raise other generations. Right. So my mother, when we're on the football field, dinner's already made, even though we live in two different households, um, putting mentorships around him. My son went through um, and, and you guys know with athletes, it's like a, you're put on a pedestal until something happens. So he, I, we watched him go through, he had two ACL surgeries, one meniscus surgery. Um, and I would never tell him, I was never going to be the one to tell him the dream's over. I let him make that decision. I kept supporting him. I kept, you know, making sure he had the best physical therapy, the best doctors, but then also kept introducing him things that allowed him to do what he loved. So before all the platforms and I am athlete, uh, when Tumblr was out, I started a Tumblr and said, you know, start creating a community. Mm -hmm. These Tumblrs, these blogs, these shows, this is what's next. I was on the creative side. So I wanted to just keep him because for every athlete, there's going to be a time where you have to hang up the shoes and you have to move on. And um, I know Pitt was very helpful during that time because that transition is really the time where I started to feel as strong as I am helpless. 
Um, and I never, ever said that before, but you're trying to figure out what more can I do? And it's time and it's something they have to go through within themselves. So we spent a lot of time even with um, my daughter, but I think one thing that we always instill is kind of like that, you know, turn your, turn your nose into yeses. And so that translated, you know, with football and with any game, you may have lost next week, there's a next game. So your no could be a yes next week. Last year, you didn't make it to first round. Now you make it to round two. So there was always that. So we always had that within our family. I think for my daughter, she always saw him push through ACL surgery, come back, push through another ACL surgery, come back. My meniscus, I still want to play. So for her, by the time we got through the heaviness, um, it was time for her to, you know, do you want to go to modern day? Do you want to? And she was like, she wanted no parts of it. Mm, She wanted to kind of have her own path. And so we're filling out college application and January, you know, they're, they're due like in two weeks. And I said, do you want to go to HBCU? And she said, I do. And she said, I want to go to Howard 11th hour. Great. Send out all our applications and she doesn't get into Howard. She gets into every other HBCU except for Howard. Mm -hmm. And she turns around and she's like, I really wanted to go to Howard. And I said, we'll go to Howard. She said, I'm serious. I said, pick up the phone, tell them it's your dream school and ask them what you need to do to get into Howard. So we've always approached that. So you have to turn your no into yes. So they gave her two options. She took the second one. She's senior year now, 4.0 GPA. So that's kind of Uh, been our our, our overarching is turning your nose into yes. If you want it that bad, stick with it. You have a team behind you. The pandemic's been great. Um, My son's not home. He's living his own life. But on Tuesdays, we... Everybody pulls their credit report. I'm <laughs> <laughs> stepping up. And, you right. know, so we do all those things because I realize my son is going to have to be head of household one day. His mm. wife will expect him to understand financial literacy. And when that woman says, why can't we get this house? She's going to look at you like, well, my score is fine. Is your score fine? Right, <laughs> right. And, and the same with my daughter. Um, you want the man to bring value? she needs to bring value as well. You know, uh, the days of kind of it just being enough to be the cute face and the cute ways is you you have to prepare for the now and possibly the later as well too. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, that's what we got. And I received that from my mother because she was a widower. She made it through and then also instilled that. So we took that and, you know, that's how the children are now. So that's pretty much how we made it. Has it been easy now? You're a part of our village. I've contacted you many of times. Yeah, I, I had to pull up once or twice, Butler, Rob, um, well, uh, Rob and Courtney and Bob. I had yeah. to pull up because they needed a man's point of view. Because, you know, when mom says something, I hear you. But when a man walks in the in the room, like, hold on, young, I'm about to get Philly on y'all, young boy, youngin. Right, yeah. I wore Tim's over here. Stop playing with. Right, right. I had to I get. Got a dicky, I got a blue dicky set and some. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to sit. I had to sit. And Put the hand on the put the hand on the thigh. Right, a scully with a dicky set. Like, hold, hold on, don't talk to your mom. Hold on, let, yeah, let's, right. hold on, hold on. I hear you, but so I had to um I had to be the mediator in the middle because yeah. she says, "Pip, I'm trying everything." I'm but 
like you said, lack of references. And a lot of people need to know this, even with athletes and entertainers growing up. You grow up your whole life sometimes without that consistent man to come through and be the mediator. So the mom has to be the mom-dad hybrid. Or maybe the dad is not emotionally available. So when these guys come in through these um, college programs, NFL program, whatever the case may be, they still may not even be fully developed in that sense. But you're asking them to go after the Heisman Trophy. You're asking them to pull off a press conference. You're asking them to go manage $100 million. You're asking them to pull off the Nike campaign. And these people... Some of these, not all, but some coming from these situations. Now, with that being said, as far as reinvention, Rob, you know, we went through it. You know, um, Rob was undrafted free agent as well as I. Rob had stints with, correct me if I'm wrong, Chargers, Chiefs, Ravens. Yeah, Chargers, Ravens, then Chiefs. Yeah. Got you. And then you had to come out of it, as we all did. I did, you did. It wasn't the LaDainian Tomlinson Hall of Fame speech. It was... The phone ain't ringing, son. I'm your agent. I love you to death, but uh, ain't, ain't nothing. Nothing's going on. That's how most careers end, um, ladies and gentlemen. So for Courtney and Rob, Courtney, how did you support Rob through this reinvention? Because I'm going to be honest with you, as Deidre touched on, when it ended for me and Bub knows, a lot of people disappeared from my life. Messed my <sighs> head up. I had to go get therapy. I mean, and Deidre knows it was. It was so <laughs> quiet. It was. It, it was eerie. It was so quiet. Wow. Yeah. Courtney, how did you, when it comes down to messaging from the scene, we just heard the argument, Oh, you're not there yet. I got my masters. Where are you at? Women do it. Some, mm -hmm. how did you support Rob through this reinvention? Rob, how did you get through it with her? I think that my support for him was pretty seamless not to make it sound perfect, but it came from that place because I'll just be honest, I never had NFL expectations. Mm. So because we initially got together... Translation, I didn't think he was good enough. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know he was an NFL prospect. I didn't know. That's not I what I meant. <laughs> no, but when we... So when talking we about practice, started, but... Right, practice. So when we first started dating in college... You know, he was obviously on the football team and was playing football at the time. And I just didn't grow up a super football girl. I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so obviously, mm. you know, you got to be a Steeler fan. I was the only person in my family that was a Dallas fan. That, that was only because my favorite color was blue, right? <laughs> so I had no real football foundation, nor did I grow up as like a super football fan. So when he was playing... Um, that was intriguing, but I never really paid attention to the game. I was mm -hmm. there to support him, but I was also talking to other people in the crowd. I really didn't know what was going on. Don't feel bad because my lady <laughs> never even came to see me play. <laughs> she said the girlfriend so, is spy on me. The support because it was very <laughs> important to him. So eventually I asked him questions about the game because I wanted to be able to support him in a way where at least I had a little bit of a foundation of what was happening. But I, mm. I also didn't, when he would talk about going to the league, you know, I will always revert back to this conversation of like, okay, that's great if that happens. But if that doesn't happen, we could both graduate, you know, and make 40,000 a year, right? This is years and years ago, right? And then we can maybe even go to get our master's and make 60,000, 80,000 a year and put it together and we can have like a cool family, right? <laughs> 
Right. And so when it was time for around the time of the draft and the agent came to the house to see him, I'm like, wait a minute, this guy really has agents showing up <laughs> to talk to him. Like maybe he's serious. <laughs> maybe he's serious. <laughs> oh, now you're serious. <laughs> like maybe he really is going, you know. So I had a couple conversations even with some of his friends, right? And I would be like, so I mean, how good is he? He's like, who asked their friends how good? You're not my game, right? <laughs> and so, you know, when he made it, it was always like a, oh, wow. Right? right. I was very proud of him, but it was like, a, oh, wow, this is great. Right? Um, but with each, after the Chargers being released, and then, you know, I was kind of, I was like, are you okay? He took it really well. He, he had great belief in himself. His agent still had a great deal of belief in him. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really kind of quiet transition because it was like, don't worry, I'm going to get you on another team. You're going to get yourself on another team based on your film. And so we kind of just sat around and waited for the next move. He obviously went and started um, what did you got? Your tryouts or whatever they were called. Yeah, I saw Piff at uh, 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 Tampa. Tampa. We ran, yeah. yeah. Right. Coach Mike Tomlin worked this out. Yeah. Yeah, for Butler yeah, for Butler and Deidre, we ran into each other in Tampa. Mike Tomlin both were both of us out. This is my brother, and we're trying to kill each other. They're <laughs> 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 only taking one safety. Exactly. One. And I dove across the finish line, Butler and Pro Agility. <laughs> literally. 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 <laughs> Coach so Bob. That was, that was the thing. He was Whatever it took. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't remember you telling me that about I dove across the finish line, Bob. He's super like he dove. I dove. Yeah, I want to show you. I'm going to extra mile. Look, yeah. with the game on the line, I'm going to lay it out. I tackled the line. I don't know what I tackled. I tackled I the you, bro. I mean, man. And he didn't oh. sign neither of us. Didn't sign neither one of us, bro. That, what was that? You went to t- was that after the Chargers? That was after the Chargers for so, the Ravens side. Yeah, right. so there was a lot of there was a lot of tryouts after that, and then so that was a calm transition. It didn't require a whole lot of support. It just required, mm-hmm. you know, I, I believed in his agent, believed in he believed in himself. So we kind of just waited that one out. Right. The second transition after the Ravens was like, oh my gosh, I think I was a little cautious in between that. So when we got to Baltimore, I was like, I'm gonna get a job. Um, not out of lack of belief for him, but because I learned early on, like, okay, this is how the NFL works. So we need to have one person with working income mm. in the event that something happens to you, you get hurt. We have seen things happen to other players. Right. So I got a job. Um, actually, that whole thing was funny. The, the owner of the Ravens also owns a temporary agency at the time in Baltimore. And so Rob had a conversation with them. I went through the interview process, started working at Wachovia, which is now Wells Fargo. And that was kind of my plan to ease some of the transition for him to know that we do have a solid mm-hmm. foundation of income should something go wrong. And so when it did, I continued working and we kind of already just fell into the succession plan. And then when he got picked up by the Chiefs, we were like, you know, let's sell all the furniture in the house so we don't have to worry about costs. Because as you know, Pitt, they don't pay for anything when you go Court to furniture. No, right. Court <laughs> furniture. Court furniture, right. So... <laughs> We sold all the furniture we had to make that a little bit easier on the transition. Mm -hmm. And we moved to Pittsburgh for two weeks, stayed with my mom. And then we put the little bit of things we had left in the kids in a Mazda 626, which was the vehicle we had at the time, and drove it to Kansas City. And he had already been gone for some time because, you know, they they call for your husband right away. You kind of get left behind with the kids. to make. And keep up the dialogue. I'm listening. So, yeah. So that whole... um, that whole way of support, I would say, is just really being there and having belief that no matter what happens, 
we're still going to be okay collectively as a unit. And I think that one of the things that, that helped us a lot was not having that marriage where it was based on football. It didn't really matter if football existed or not. It wasn't a huge component of the relationship. Right. right. That's always a good thing. I noticed that, like, uh, with a lot of the players that end up getting caught up with women that are just with them, like you said, because of the football, trust me, I've been around this guy, and he ain't no ugly guy. And I mean, but, but the crazy part is, though, to have that many nice-looking women there for you, but they're not really there for you. Like, yeah. you know, it's good to hear that. Like, you kind of like, I, I know I mentioned my lady, like, she never came to my games, but her girlfriend was there, and I didn't know she was spying on me the whole time. Like, she always had eyes on me. But her thing was, I don't need to go. She wasn't with me because she's thinking I'm going to be something or do this or do that. And that innocence that's there, that's, that's kind of a cute thing. And it's kind of, I think, was part of the glue to keep me all together because you ain't really, it's not that you didn't care because you didn't think he would be great, but it was just like, I mean, that don't matter. I just love this guy. Like, he's mm, my guy. Right. It, it right. wasn't, you know, the football player. You know what I'm that's saying? Right. And I think that's kind of dope. Um, yeah. That 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 you were that way, you know, and I, and I know that plays a major part in you guys' success and making everything work. And yeah, and for those for for everyone, like I said, I was a I was I ran the streets. I was a kind of a wild guy, but in all seriousness, as um, Coach Bub said, and Rob was around me. Uh, through trial and error, I figured, you know, no shade. I wish everyone the best health and wealth, but a lot of people were around me in particular. Okay. Yes. Good looking guy, blah, 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 blah. Tyson Beckford looking. Right. Exactly. Priest. But they really, I found through trial and error with a lot of athletes go through entertainers and me and Deidre talked about this, even executives, lawyers, doctors, you know, darn well, sometimes why that woman is there. And you may have kids with this woman. Now these, these, they see the references to, to you guys' point to the point of this whole topic. And when the love isn't really there and pure and is based off of your ornaments, chances are it's going to affect the kids, the family. And um, contrary to popular belief, men have feelings too. And that's how I got introduced to therapy because a lot of women as, as Wiley just said, um, you know, sex partners, but no love life. And many athletes, entertainers, executives, fortune 500 company, wall street, they look great on the outside, but on the inside, they know half these people are not here to be here. So even with that, I want to segue to this, speaking to careers. And Deidre, we talk about this on the economic level. Um, yes, I played football, guys. I was a two-sport two athlete at Nebraska, all that, but I still had a, a major in communications with a minor in ethnic studies, um, graduated with honors. So it was way more than an athlete over here. So I've studied um, kind of... African-American society and us from slavery to present. And I noticed that after Malcolm X passed away, Vietnam, you had the heroin era, you had the cocaine era. Butler, you're from Pittsburgh. I know it affected Fresno. It affected Southern California, Philly, et cetera. And I saw a lot of the men were starting to be extracted from the home due to getting arrested for selling this stuff. Um, they call it Reaganomics. Um, due to um, unemployment, due to the welfare system that tells our women, you know, you get more if the man's not in the house. I mean, men had to literally, I, I talked to my cousin's friend who was a social worker in Philly. She literally would have to go into these apartments and look for Timberlands and hats. If you see anything that resembles a male, they're cut off of 
food stamps and everything. What does that subliminally tell our women? So with that, Deidre, can you tell us from your opinion how the lack of access to the American dream affects our relationships, our cycles, and our references? Oh, loaded question. Yes, uh, I know. Very loaded. Um, it affects everything um, from, you know, the access to lending, when you're looking, because everyone's looking pretty much for the same American dream, right? Mm -hmm. So when you start thinking about homes, you start thinking about school districts, you start thinking about um, all, all the things that are required. Uh, so when you remove someone's ability or uh, to have access to those lendings, uh, of course, it's going to affect it. We know, and, and this rings true to this day, if a man doesn't find his place in the world, he'll never find it in his home. Mm -hmm. And I think more women need to understand that. So you may, again, come in contact with someone who's, who's great. Maybe they didn't have the exposure. Maybe they didn't do, you know, credit Tuesdays in their house as we do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we've got the time, you know, we do it and, 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 it, and it's necessary. Um, but it does, I, I, I think that it has created, um, especially in our generation, imbalance in households. Mm. Um, because a lot of times, you know, I feel that, um, you know, maybe to your point, women do have more access, right? Are, are the doors were open, maybe they'll hire Deirdre before they'll hire Jarrett. Mm. So now, you know, you have women who are, climbing up the corporate ladder, we all face the same thing. But what happens is you have that imbalance in the home. Mm -hmm. uh, so the woman's going to work, she's making all the decisions, you come home, the kids, but then you have to make all the financial decisions as well too. Not saying in every situation, but I'm saying how it can, it can create an imbalance. Um, and it can be the other way too, you know? Um, you may have men who are in a position to where, you know, you have the wife and, 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 and maybe she doesn't have the same, we talk about this too, Jarrell, where mm -hmm. met, you know, plenty of great women, uh, but a lot of them, something happens, the last game, they can't step up and fill those shoes either. They're not in a position to do so. Um, so I think it's something that our community really has to look at and really start with the, um, understanding how to really build wealth. Um, mm -hmm. we are in a racial reckoning this year, as we all know, um, and hopefully some of the, the new generation, I think has done a great job of kind of with, through technology, getting more access to capital, wealth, mm -hmm. creating their own pathways, non-traditional um, so my hope is for our generation, for our children's generation, that'll also translate into really rebuilding and restructuring our households uh, because it does really create an, an, an imbalance. And that leads to what we heard, the fighting, the lack of understanding, the one person not feeling appreciated. And then again, it's creating another generational cycle. The man feels defeated. He may leave the home. The children now see that. It's just the cycles continue, continue. Mm. You have to kind of get to the root of it. Um, but it is something that um, I think we've experienced in our generation and we still do see it now. Um, and for a lot of people, 
just circling back to sports. That's the beauty of it. With sports, there's a game next week. You stay in the game. Mm-hmm. We're down by seven. We're still coming back out. You know, right. every man, every woman doesn't necessarily get that references. So it's easier to say, you know what? I can just call up the other 10 people on my phone, whether it be male or female. And I think that happens too often. Um, but, you know, we do face unique challenges um, as a community. And um, the goal is for, you know, us to not think that anyone's, uh, we're in this together. So I think what happens is, is that it becomes uh, who's, who's suffering more. And it shouldn't be that way. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the NFL, the NBA, people know, I think there were just a racial slur in soccer over in Europe. I saw they were kneeling over there. Um, people may say, I just want to watch the game. Come on. You know, no need for all that. You're, you're seeing uh, and racism. We're in this together. As you said, you see it on the, at the back of the NFL helmets. The NBA, I mean, wow. I mean, every week on the floor or what have you. For our viewers, I mean, our listeners, this is why you're seeing this. And we wanted to bring this to the light and um, unexposed, wanted to expose these issues. So I'm the only one. I don't have kids. Thank God. Like Butler says, somebody's praying for me. Woo. All right. So I'm going to go. <laughs> Bob, you already know. But uh, Coach Bob, I'm going to ask you first. You have a daughter. And you have, now you have a mentee in the NFL, um, Tierra Tart, undrafted free agent, D lineman for the Tennessee Titans, West Philly high school alum, inner city kid that you pulled off the street basically and raised, um, well, raised in his um, older teenage years and now as a young man. You have a daughter, a biological daughter. How are you parenting now in this new wave of economy and this new, I mean, there we knew police brutality was there, Bub, Rob, Courtney, Deidre, but now it's visible. Now these kids are seeing everything. We knew it, but now it's like, oh my gosh. Bub, starting off with you, how are you raising your daughter and your mentees in this new world that we're in? First of all, I have one biological and I got five all together. I got five non-biological, but I got five kids. Um, And three of them are boys. Um, And it's nerve-wracking because I just lost two of my football players within the span of a month and a half. A month month and a half. Wow. Two of my football players, one was killed by his best friend. He just walked around the block and shot him and just walked off. So with with my next to the youngest playing football and all, he's going to workouts and stuff. It's like my nerves are like in shambles for the days that I can't drop him off and pick him up. Wow. He's on a bus and stuff like that. Because not only do I got to worry about the random stuff, I got to worry about, well, what girl that likes him yeah, I got a guy that like her and don't like him because she mm. I'm worrying about all this kind of stuff. Then I'm worrying about my daughters because now in Philly, as you can see, Pip, this dude's rocking females out here. I mean, yeah. I just saw a video of two dudes run up on a girl, shoot her up, and kept running. A girl. A girl. A girl. Mm. So like my nerves are like, like in shambles, but what I try to do is make myself part of their world every day. So one of the things that I do, I'm, I'm back here in my little makeshift man cave. Mm-hmm. Um, I set up a little gaming center right over here. Right. Where I began to start playing 2K. Right. And the reason I do that is because it keeps my son in the house. It keeps him cool. His friends <laughs> are there. See, I met them on their playground. Mm. I got good at 2K, built my player up, and 
Now they invite me to come. They say, you getting on tonight? And we'll be in here to one in the morning on the weekends, two in the morning, two in the and I'll be having a ball. I'll bring my little drink back here or whatever. <laughs> my little snacks while kid watching her YouTube videos or whatever about lighting candles. And then I'm going to do her little thing. And I'm back here and I'm on the game with her. You know what I'm saying? If it's not a football workout, you know, and I'm always educating, I'm saying, listen, man, you know, if the cops stop you, speak clearly. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything that they don't need you to say. Answer their questions. And it's a shame that you have to prep talk your sons before they go out into this world because of how things are going right now. But unfortunately, that's where we at. <clears throat> so I try to tell them, listen, man, you know, speak clearly, answer the question, and get off, get off of it. You don't need to. Why am I being detained and all of that? I, Ever telling these young men to do all of that is right. I don't like it because a lot of young men are getting killed and yoked up and normal choked half to death because of it. You know what I'm saying? I, and the way cameras are out nowadays, listen, if they did something wrong, it's going to come to light. I believe in God. It will come to light. Right. It will come to light one way or another. So, one, thing we, one thing we talked about uh, or, uh and, and also just to chime in, uh, Bub, is, is that, you know, it's hard to have that conversation and then they can see other children that don't look like them. Why are you stopping me? Why are you that? Why are you that? And they have the freedom yeah. and wow. respect from law enforcement to be able to have a conversation, ask why, know their rights, and it's respected it's hard to have that conversation to keep saying, just be quiet, just keep quiet, just to continue to suppress them, although they know what's going on. But it, it, it cuts both ways. It's, it's hard to have the conversation to save their life, and it's hard for them us to suppress what is supposed to be their right, right? Mm-hmm. To yeah. be able to write in a, to ask in a respectful way, mm-hmm. you know, officer or sir, Here's what I was doing. Is there a reason? What have right. you? They're seeing other young men, other one young women get to go home at night and still ask those questions. Wow. Yeah. And Rob and Courtney, how are you guys doing it? Because you have a full house over there. Yeah. What's your style? I think that to Deidre's point, it's incredibly disheartening to have to have conversations with your kids where you basically have to teach them to suppress the rights that they have. Mm. Although I totally agree with Bubs too, that it's not the smartest decision to tell them to do it, but it's also heartbreaking to tell them not to do it, right? Because they do have a right to know in a respectful way why they are being stopped. Um, In terms of how we're handling it, 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 it really is just a conversation because that's all that we do have, right? So I've done little things like place the insurance card, a photocopy of the driver's license, um, registration all in a plastic baggie that's clear mm. and see-through, right? <laughs> and left that in a position in wow. the car where it's easy to reach for, where you can see all the contents of the plastic bag, right? And so wow. that's what's in that car. Um, also having that photocopy of the driver's license, because how easy is it, especially for young men, because you guys don't always have a wallet, right? So walking out the door and saying, oh, shoot, my license is in my gym shorts can suddenly create a huge point of contention if you get pulled over. Yes. So little things like that have been things I've tried to do to mitigate it. Also, seems cliche and old-fashioned, but it is true as a mom, and these are, I'm sure you share this too, and for dads as well, to some extent. Uh, prayer is really all you have at some point because mm. the kids are growing up with other kids 
who they see as their peers, which is true, but their peers are able to exercise their rights in a different way. And so even when you're having this conversation with your child, they're bucking up against you in a way that's like, nobody thinks like that. Nobody's that racist. Nobody's trying to pull me over. Nobody's trying to, because that's not their experience and hasn't been their experience. So while they see these things on the news and on TV, these are things that are very unreal to them. Um, Also little things like having car stickers. I don't have one on the car right now, but just in our community, being out here in Calabasas, trying to, my daughter, my youngest daughter dances at the studio, having the Calabasas Academy of Dance sticker to support her studio. Of course, it's something I'm doing as a fundraiser, but also, sadly, I have to think of having the CHS sticker for the high school and the dance school and these kind of things present on my vehicle Right. could certainly maybe act as a form of deterrent to say, I can't just look at this kid and completely discriminate because they're part of this community, right? Mm. And we, we shouldn't have to think that way, but the truth is we do. And so all of these things are just little things that I try to do, but we try to do to mitigate the risk of something happening because they honestly don't think it's real. I would love to sit here and say that we've had these conversations and my kids understand mm. the complexities of what they're facing, but I, I still don't think they get it. Yeah. I'll, I'll build on that because their 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 friend groups and peer groups are so diverse and mixed. Uh, yes, they they look at racism like it is the dumbest thing since you know the dumbest thing on the face of the planet. Like they don't they're like that is just stupid. Like every people are people, humans are humans. But I want to build upon what Courtney's saying with regards to raising you know young men of color. There's conversations that we've had. Now, I'm just replaying the conversations I've had with them in their youth while they're trying to figure out who they are and express themselves, being influenced by their peer groups. I remember going off on my boys for sagging their pants. Like, mm. going off. Because in my mind, it wasn't just you wearing your pants two inches below your, your boxer line. It was you getting pulled over, being perceived as a thug, and potentially not coming home. Yeah, I've had conversations wow. with my boys about cutting their hair. Being clean shaven, making sure you got a low low or get the waves. Why not the waves instead of the dreads? You know, be, mm. these watch your ebonics in your slang. I know you talk with slang with your with your homies, but you got to speak with and enunciate in a, in a very articulate manner so they all speak like like they like they're trained speakers. Yeah, that man. Uh, wow. Because these are these are little cues that can get you that can get you jammed up right. if you come up. If you're perceived as a thug before you even show up, you show up looking like a thug, whatever that means. We know mm. what we know what the stereotype is. You show up sounding like a thug and then resisting authority or the perception of resisting authority, it can go all bad. So and, it, man, that's I mean, this morning in your neighborhood, I was pulled over and I had my hoodie on because I was on my way to some client to train and um immediately because I've had access and been cultivated. I'm not saying I tried to, but my PR skills came in. Not that I was trying to kiss behind. It was just, you know me, Butler, um, but, but you see me in press conferences and, and, and at, at our fundraisers for the chargers. I'm just used to being personable. Thank God. Now he gave me a little warning slash ticket, whatever he did. But to your point, hoodie on, I'm very dark y'all. I know this is a podcast. Um, I'm tall, six, three, and he did say, you know what? Kindness goes a long way, son. I'm gonna give you this. This other one is a fix it, whatever, whatever, whatever. But go on, you know, and he kind of gave me a, hey, don't kill the messenger. The town is only about pulling people, you know, I guess was on him about um, 
people driving fast in the neighborhood is where Kobe crashed at right up the street from you guys, Butler. I'm going to give away where you live, but you know, he, he kind of in a little, in a small way to your point, damn, this dude was presentable. Right. Took it like a man. It wasn't kissing butt. We had a conversation briefly. And um, he did say when I, I didn't say I was uppity, but I, you know, I'm talking, I'm trying to delegate. Oh, put your hands on the steering wheel. I'm, I'm, I'm so articulate. I'm speaking the King's English, but still put your hands on the steering wheel. So you're correct. Even if you do wow. all the right things from A to Z, I'm doing what my mom taught me. I'm doing what, like, like, you know, what we talk about, even Rob knows police come and talk to us in NFL at mini camp to say, Hey, this is going on out here. Rob, me and you have had a uh, teammate who was shot by the police. Um, and this just in yesterday, Ohio state basketball player and Columbus native Seth Towns kneeled down on one knee during the national anthem Tuesday night to protest the shooting death of Casey Goodson, Jr. Goodson was shot by Franklin County deputy Jason Meade in North Columbus on December 4th. He later was pronounced dead at a local hospital. My God. Think about how that, how that affects toxic relationships. These parents of this kid has to move on. This brother, this sister has to move on. And like you said, Deidre, death in the family or death to a loved one affects messaging. And then we don't do therapy after that. You know, a lot of us in Philadelphia, it just happened, Bub, the, the kid who was allegedly mentally challenged shot in right. front of his mom. I wonder, is his mom going to, how is that affecting his mother's relationship? They're not getting counseling. They got how is that affecting you know, the household, how they diffuse situations. So um, for people listening, we have a diverse group listening. I know there's sports fans listening. This is the reason why people are still protesting, kneeling. This is why one of the reasons why we created this podcast. We're bringing light to hidden issues. Um, it's called Unexposed. And just a seamless plug, you know, as we're about to end this, um, me and Bubba are going to be back again. We have topics like mental health problems, you know, um, Young, young people with bipolar disorder that wasn't diagnosed till later, gentrification issues with families being displaced, social media issues, as we talked about. Deidre said, good, better, best. And it's affecting our, our young athletes and kids who I've noticed a lot of wide receivers and you've probably seen it. They're trying to catch the ball with one hand so much because I see Odell Beckham doing on Instagram so much. I've seen curses, cursing players out. What are you doing on national TV trying to catch the ball with one hand because of, because of social media? Budget cuts for the underserved in our high schools and, and um, our areas, which affect us. Probation Nation, which is about someone does something at age 16, he's on probation until he's 40. Um, the, the physical health of us with hypertension, high blood pressure, things of that nature with the food. Um, rap artist, whether he says stays India or goes to a label. And even we have a um, visual artist who wants to become something different than an athlete or an entertainer, but there's nothing in their inner city to cultivate that. So we're touching on this guys and um, any parting words from my, my lovely guest, Rob and Courtney, anything you wanted to say to, to end this? Got anything court? Well, thank you for having us, Pip. I think it was an awesome discussion. I'm happy that you thought of us to join. Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. And, and it was nice to meet you, too, to talk to you, too, Deidre and Bubs. It was Your a contribution meant a lot. Great people to learn from and share dialogue with. I got two quick okay, my bad, Bubs. questions for you, two to give the listeners in our community, in any community. And it's, it's the one, each of you guys got to answer this question. Uh, one tip to keep the relationship spicy. Any tip, just go. 
Juicy. Listen, I was holding back, but just one thing, <laughs> keep the relationship spicy so that people can understand that you can be in a relationship, young black couple, whatever couple, this is how we keep it going. Listen, listeners, it, it takes an athlete and a superior human being to go from what it means to, to live in the fear of being black in America to talking about number one, one tip to getting it popping in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, bud. Right. Okay. So, it's spicy. He never mentioned the bedroom. Well, that's my interpretation. <laughs> right. And, and Coach Bob said we both got answered because he knows there's a male perspective. Former right. Mike Jake linebacker, Bennett. Coach Bob. Male listeners and the female listeners need to know. So, so, so for the guys, Ron. <laughs> so for me, that, that means getting it popping. But before you get it popping, this right. is the tip. Here's what I did. Here's what I wish I knew at at 21 when I got married. Vulnerability equals mm. intimacy. Mm. Vulnerability equals intimacy. It is a precursor. You cannot have intimacy. You can have sex, but you can't have intimacy without vulnerability. And and I will share this with the audience. Intimacy is way better than some sex. <laughs> I like this one. This is this is good. This game, but you, I, you see why? Like, hold on. You see why he's my roommate in Diego. I said, "Yo, Ryan, you want to own that brother?" Knows some. I needed some examples, Bob. <laughs> I was wild and free like Tina Marie. <laughs> he just spoke some facts right there, brother. Right, man. I don't know how you gonna top that, Courtney. Yeah, <laughs> Are you gonna top that for the sister? The sister piece of town. Yeah, I don't know that from a male perspective I'll be able to top that, but I'll say that this is—it's not going to seem as sexy, but it brings out the sexy, and that is authenticity. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of women going into relationships, it's very difficult to, especially young, learn yourself, be true to yourself, be honest to yourself, uh, be kind to yourself, be in touch with your body. Um, all of these things, just really having a strong sense of self as a woman allows you to be so much better and show up so much stronger for yourself first. And then that gets manifested into your relationship and your spouse right. really, really feels that. Yeah. And so authenticity and self-love is a huge way to keep your marriage going in the right direction. Dude, I, I got a bonus. Okay, go ahead. Uh-oh, got, I got a bonus. Bonus because, I'm afraid. No, don't be afraid. Because <laughs> you see, you, you see how vulnerability and authenticity really go hand in hand. No, absolutely. They really go. They they they're married. They're married. They're married. And but but the thing that I want to point out because this is this is like I won't say surface level. It's deep within the re- the context of a relationship. But what we forget is that we're two individuals, mm. right? And so we both showed up with traumas, childhood traumas undealt with. And so I, I would be remiss if I didn't call to the forefront of this, this talk wow. is I would encourage everybody to do their own work. I always tell this, people tell you, we, we've had conversations yes. for hours. I call, I call Rob 3 a.m. in the morning, yo, let me talk to you. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> you, you, you have to do your own work. And for me, and for Courtney, we both did this work. It starts with your primordial relationships, which is... Mm-hmm. Your first king and your first queen. Your first love. That's mommy and daddy. So start start there to, for some understanding as to why you are the way you are. Then we got traumas. So many people was raped, molested, abused, physically, mm. neglected, verbally, emotionally. What? And you said earlier, we don't we don't go get therapy for that. Mm-hmm. We sweep it under the rug. We just keep pushing. 
under the guise of being strong, but we're yeah. human. Yeah. That stuff doesn't go anywhere That's and you bring it to the table of marriage. Like right. I, I come, ask you, get on one knee, ask you to be my wife. She sees, she sees all this chocolate goodness, <laughs> but she don't see all the trauma. I can right. relate. Behind, yes. Behind it, right? <laughs> you hiding it with the chocolate goodness. Right? <laughs> I, I'm hiding behind my chocolate goodness too long. <laughs> the whole time it's a chocolate covered onion. The yeah. whole time. <laughs> you bite into it, it's like, what the? Exactly. <laughs> Man, what's this? I guess you. Yeah. <laughs> So, true. Thanks for that, man. I appreciate that, man. It was this was real fun. But uh, Deidre, any any notes on that, D? No, I mean, mine is again. Less Courtney it doesn't sound as sexy, but continue to stimulate the mind. Mm. Stimulate the mind. Yeah. Grow, teach, learn, listen. All the other things are great, but when when you have that person who's a teacher that's showing you. That's encouraging you. That's the fuel. That's the real energy. That's what keeps up the bedroom. That's what keeps it going. You know, keep learning not only for yourself, but for the person that you're with. Um, so stimulate the mind. Rob, that's- how come you didn't come all this rookie year? Had <laughs> <laughs> me running around. <laughs> Like a like a chicken with his head cut off. Hey man, <laughs> talk to hey, me. <laughs> we we had we there was some young lady that called Pip a big black trophy. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you serious? You big black. I was like, who's who says that? What <laughs> stranger? Bub. Bro, you ain't. Bub. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> a big black. Oh my god. I can't. I can't make this stuff up. I, I was kind of jealous. Oh. I was kind of jealous, Pip, because I never been called that before. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to take a step back for a minute, like, wow, hold up. <laughs> I got some stories we can talk later. Yeah, but I understand how this guy's effect is on females, man. I've been around him too many times, man. Too many <laughs> used to be. Look, I'm, oh, I'm, to be. Oh, no, I'm two, I'm two therapy sessions, not two sessions, but two different therapists in. Uh, shout out to, seriously, shout out to my sister from another mister, Dr. Cherise Sadbury. I, I was in therapy also before COVID. I look forward to going back. The NFLPA supports that. Um, Rob, who's an NFLPA guy as well. Um, they're doing a lot better at helping us post football. I'm a recipient of some grants. Rob has had help. Every, anytime we come across something, you'll pip apply, you'll Rob apply. And the NFL is helping us as ex-athletes with therapy because Athletes, like you said, we may be six, eight, chocolate, thunder, all that good stuff. <laughs> you may even have money in the bank. You might have a hundred million, but if you're from East St. Louis, Chicago, West Philly, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, Crenshaw, Houston, guess what? As me and Deidre talked about, man, that the money does not wash it away. You're a star quarterback or a star wide receiver, point guard, um, baseball player, you know, I think Bubba and, my, and I commend you guys. I think half of, I don't know the percentages, half of former pro ball players, a percentage go through a divorce, you know, after ball is over because they have to be at home now. You got you to gotta yeah. talk to, to the point of this um, scene. We just, they have to communicate. And you're so used to saying, I got to go to practice. Now you ain't got no practice. Talk. And I'm a victim. I admit I, I didn't want to talk. 
um, because Butler wouldn't answer his phone to give me advice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to close it out, man. That was a great pilot episode, first episode, Unexposed, the podcast. We're making these hidden, forgotten issues. We're coming coming to the light. And for Rob Butler, Courtney, Rob, you know you're my brother, man. You know, uh, thank you for answering your phone. Uh, Courtney, he's not on the phone with another female. He's on the phone with me sometimes. I always know when he's on the phone with you. Right. right. <laughs> if he's praying, he's on the phone with me. Like, oh, God, I got to pray over this. All right. Uh, Deidre, you already know what it is. Deidre has two wonderful kids doing their thing right now. And um, she is the one of the poster childs for soccer moms. Reminds me of my mom. And I know Bub knows. Coach Bub, my day one, we're going to hit you with more subjects. We're just getting started. That's Unexposed, the podcast. Stay tuned for more. Peace. Peace. All right.